else that I said? Look here, look here. You know what I said all along? I'm sure maybe I read somewhere, um, you know, I speak my mind and I talk about some issues. I'll tell it like it is. I don't know if you ever heard about, uh, you know, how the philosophy of the sales orgs goes. We, you know, we don't give a flying fuck about the others. All we care about is our own. And all I've been saying for fucking years to all these stupid fucking experts. Hey, you know what the experts are telling you? The podcasts have to be boring. Y'all do me a favor. Y'all turn around and look at each other right now. Y'all turn around and look at all these motherfucking people here. And obviously somebody's wanting to hear something that fucking these experts are telling you you ain't supposed to be hearing. Alright, well, check this out. Welcome, friends. Have no fear, sales cast is here. About to get into some shit. This is uh, Sales Cast 2.0. I don't know if I'm going to keep the name. I mean, I guess there's like another company called Sales Cast. It's like so annoying. I mean, it's, it's a good name. I came up with the name a long time ago. Um... It's a really good name for a, for a podcast about sales, a blog about sales. Call it Salescast. <sighs> um, but the other guy probably copyrighted it or whatever already. I bet. I mean, it's just a. I don't know. Who cares? Um, Scott Lease uh, is the first first episode back here i guess i'm just kind of rebooting this show i started it like a year ago when i was like a bum uh working at full cast trying to make commission full cast is a good company good people darmesh darmesh and bala geniuses taught me a lot uh really nice people just good good people good business you know good good business people good to do business with never had any qualms about working with them um so they were cool. Um, not everybody was. Now I'm a consultant. It just sounds dumb saying it out loud. Because um, nobody cares. I mean, nobody cares, dude. Nobody cares what you do. Nobody cares who you are or why. Hopefully, it's a fun show to listen to. Uh, it's just, it's no bullshit. No filter, no bullshit. That's it. Yeah, I def would not recommend doing what I did um, and bouncing around from company to company with no plan and just kind of landing on your feet, like hoping that it works out. I wouldn't recommend doing that. I would recommend doing something a lot closer to what Scott Lease did, which is just work your ass off um, and just get good. Get good, homie. Uh, read his book. Both of them. Addicted to the Process. It's like mandatory. And then um, from rep to manager is the new one. Uh, Def, check it out and just follow his advice because that guy knows what he's talking about and I definitely don't. Okay, thanks. See ya, bye. Um, yeah, man, Scott Lease... Um uh, just, you just released a book, uh, from rep to manager. And I, I have, 
a ton of questions about this. I haven't gotten through the text yet. I mean, I, I scanned it quickly and I'm excited to read it, but I'm, I'm rereading the first one now. Um, I was never able to accomplish this. I worked in SAS for, this is going on four years now. And I, I was in like an SDR role for four years and I couldn't get promoted to manager. I, I mean, I don't know if I just rolled snake eyes every time or, or if it's me, like, did I do something wrong? Like what, like what happened? I, and, and I made it very clear that I wanted to be a manager the whole time. I, I was, a, I was 30 years old when I, I started as an SDR. I was a high school math teacher before I got into sales. Um, so I sat down in my first SDR job and just like slam dunked. I mean, like I was getting like 15 ops a month and nobody else was breaking five. And I did this for like eight months and I couldn't get promoted and whatever. And it just blew up every time. Like every scenario that I walked into seemed to just explode in my face and I couldn't figure it out. So I I'm, I'm curious, like what I, I like, I mean, I think you would have been able to figure it out. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just, uh, I wanted to just get your take on that. Like, I don't know. Just does that, does well, that sound like I'm a crazy I mean, person in my damaged goods? I don't know. I mean, uh, first of all, I think I did figure it out, Patrick. <laughs> yes, I yeah. Did move yeah, from, of course. From rep to manager to director to VP to SVP to entrepreneur. Um, you know, I, I don't know it without, without knowing you and your, and your story that it's very difficult to, uh, you know, try to try to pinpoint and, and guess and make assumptions and whatnot. I will say that, you know, you were only in the mix for four years. That's not an absurd amount of time. Right. And, and depending on where you went to, to work, large organization, small organization that was kind of shitty, that fizzled out. Right. You might not have put yourself in the right place to to succeed and have the right kind of opportunity. And, and another piece is like, who did you go work for? I don't mean like who's the founder and, and what company. I mean, like, who was your boss? Who was the person there developing you, mentoring you, guiding you, hearing you say, you know, hey, Scott, I want to be I want to be a manager one day. Like, help me get there. Who was that person and how helpful were they? Yeah. Right. Or, or, or were they non-existent or were they worse than non-existent and actually detrimental I don't know any of those things. Those are all things that, you know, could have come in, could have come into play. And where does it all begin? It all begins with, well, how good are you, were you at your job? Were, were, were you hitting your, your number? I don't, you don't have to be number one, but were you like consistently over quota and demonstrating that, you know, you know how to sell this and therefore might be able to teach other people how to do it. That's where it would kind of, you know, begin for me. As, as you're talking about it, it's starting to make a lot of sense. Like um, the, the first place, like, I, I don't think there was a ton that I could do about that. I, I, you know, I was hitting my number. I was like, I was, I was number one for the, basically the whole time that I was there. Um, I quit. I, well, I ended up getting offered another job at a, at a small place at, at like a 10 person startup for like 20 K more base. So like, it was just no contest. Like I just, I just took the money and left. And then two weeks after I left, my manager quit and then two weeks after that, they fired both of the sales directors and disbanded the SDR team because they were just burning cash. So yeah. like, I, the, I, the, clearly, like it wasn't me. It obviously wasn't on me if they fired the whole, you know, if the whole chain of command disappeared right after. Um, and, you know, and then I walked into a, a really small startup called Fullcast.io and they're great people. Um, but COVID hit and they couldn't afford to pay me anymore. Like that's literally what happened. Like COVID hit and they were like, yeah, we just can't. 
Like we can't pay two sales reps anymore, but they, they were developing me. Like <clears throat> Darmesh is the CEO. He was the guy that was like taking me under his wing and teaching me everything. And he was like turning me into a leader. Just, I didn't have anyone to lead. There was only 10 people at the company, you know, like that, that was my position where I really would have been able to yeah. like hit the next level. Um, but I, I mean, you know, just circumstances change and, and I couldn't survive long enough. Um, you know, and then I ended up in a different role. And then by the time I met Justin, he kind of just plucked me out of the whole thing and was like, you know, you should come with me and do this stuff because, um, it, you're doing pretty good. So whatever, that, that, that's how it ended up. I just wanted to start the conversation there and then, you know, like promote your book a little bit and, and talk about why you wrote it. Um, and, and who should read it? Well, the, the, why I wrote it is pretty easy. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Justin would agree with this, but uh, there's God knows how much information and and text and advice out there on how to be a better salesperson. Um, There's Lord knows how many sales trainers and sales coaches that are out there. What there is a a severe lack of is coaching and text around how to be a sales manager, how to be a sales leader. There's no coaching and development. There's no programs, right? Right go Google somebody right now or get on LinkedIn and be like sales leadership coach. The number of results that will show up are minuscule compared to, you know, sales coaching. Um, And so, you know, I I, I saw a a gap, if you will, in the, in the market and a need. Uh, There's a lot of people who move into sales leadership who are terrible and unqualified. There's a lot of people who are bad sales leaders. We hear about this all the time. So I wanted to kind of, provide some advice along with my uh, you know, co-author, Ryan Walker, provide some advice and, and try to teach people like, here's the things that we think that you need to do and what you need to focus on in order to move from individual contributor to sales manager. And here's a little bit about what you need to do in order to be a good sales manager. Um, so just, you know, trying to, trying to fill that void out there. Um, there's certainly an appetite for it. Why people have stayed away from it. I don't know. You know, companies don't invest very much and training and developing their sales leaders. That's a well-known fact. Um, so rather than just kind of complaining about it, I decided to try to do something about it. Yeah, yeah so that's awesome. I, I would just chime in. I, I'm actually, I'm 41. I'm 20 years in the game. Because I started in telemarketing in 2001, I had a team of 300 I supervised at 23, team of 30 I coached at 24, and by 29 I had 1,000 reps in three countries doing transactional like (laughs) driven by TV commercials, like infomercial type businesses, which are now like highly regulated. So when I went into SaaS, like, okay, you're ready to manage a team. I'm like, great. And they're like, here's three people. Where's the team? Uh, So I had a people management experience and I'd hired it. I'd I'd hired hundreds and fired, you know, probably dozens. And so at least the people management skills had been developed uh, in my early to late 20s. And that did translate. I would get tapped on the shoulder. So I kind of hacked it backwards because I came from a different industry. But I do see people get siloed where, you know, they've done SDR and they've crushed quota for three years. And then their manager comes to me and goes, they've never closed. They don't know how to be in yeah. a boot camp them. Then I wonder, do we trap the SDR in the silo? They have to switch companies to become AE. Um, I know it's a slightly different topic, but there's probably a lot of people at the SDR and AE level right now that want to go into management and need this book. So um, 
Yeah, I would love some more general advice. Now that you've released it into the wild, how are people responding? Are you getting uh, interesting questions about it? Um, yeah, yeah. The, you know, uh, just to chime in one more thing, like just, just to hit on that point again, like I think in some orgs, they have it really set up so that there's um, a pathway. You know, there's like specific steps you can take to advance through the ranks. You know, you start like inbound SDR, then you're outbound SDR, and then they train you to be AE, and then they kind of level you up through the org. But it's not really designed that way in, in a lot of places. And I think that the system is, is really set up to benefit the company more than it is to benefit the individual people, obviously, right? Like these, this segmented role special, specialization, um, that's exactly what happens is you get, you get three years into being an SDR, and then people are looking at you going, yeah, but you've never closed before, you know? And it's not, I mean, yep. it's not complete rocket science. If you, can, if you can be a successful SDR, there's no reason why you can't close it just you know you don't have any experience it's like this chicken or the egg situation that starts to happen so i just want to add that in well it's a little bit of a sidebar uh kind of topic but this is this is why i don't believe in the the sdr ae model other than for large enterprise organizations and big huge price points 50k 100k or larger deal sizes i've never i've scaled six orgs as an operator um Zero of them, I use a AE SDR model. There's no sense in it when the deal size is below a certain point and all of my orgs are below that particular model. It increases the customer acquisition cost. It elongates the sales cycle. It adds organizational complexity and conflict. It's a, it's a lousy buyer's uh, experience as people get handed off from one place to the next. I have a moral issue with it. I feel like as a teacher, which I consider myself to be, which Patrick, maybe you can relate to this. I have a moral issue with teaching people only a part of what they actually need to know in order to be good in a particular role. So I, I, I'm, not, I'm not into that kind of thing. And like you said, there'll be an SDR for a particular amount of time. They'll try to go for an AE role and they'll be like, wow, we really love you, Scott. Uh, you just never closed before. We're going to have to go with somebody who's closed before. It's like, well, how the fuck am I supposed to get closing experience? If nobody gives me, uh, you know, a chance to, to close deals, so you get stuck, so you get stuck, right? So, you know, as far as the, the reaction, you know, to the to the book goes, um, it's been overwhelmingly positive. Awesome. I mean, shocking, shockingly so. I mean, it got, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it, it got gobbled up really quick in the first couple of days that, that we, uh, we released it. And some of the reviews are starting to, you know, kind of, matriculate in now um it's just a lot of people basically saying man thank you like just thank you for writing this for getting whatever ideas are you know in your head and putting it down on on paper and, and giving us uh you know a bit of a roadmap right i i i'm not so arrogant to think that there's anything earth shattering and brand new the, the difference is it's just like I just spent the time getting it out of my head and putting it onto paper. And, and now people have less work to do on their own to try to figure it out. They can just use this as a, as a guide and a, and a roadmap, you know? Um, and the other thing that I'd say, and, and you guys both know this because you read my, my first book, I'm, I'm a big proponent of this. Um, our attention spans are so short and it's, we have so many things going on. It's extremely difficult for me or you or anybody, I think, to sit down and read a 400 page business and sales book. I don't got time for that shit. It's not gonna happen. Somebody sent me a, a sales book the other day that they wrote 
but they want to get my take on it. It's 360 pages. I ain't reading it. I'm sorry. That, that will take me a year to get through. Okay. So what I wanted to do was just eliminate all the fluff, right? And just really get down to actionable tips and strategies. It's 59 pages long from rep to manager. The ebook, you could crank it out in an hour, hour and a half, maybe even less, depending on how fast you read. That is something that we can do something with, right? I can get in, I can learn, I can get out. I can come back to it when necessary, pop in, grab more, and get out. It doesn't require me to hold this, these theories and this thought in my head for weeks or months on end as I'm trying to chip away at you know, some particular novel. Um, and I, I think people just fall in love with the sound of their own voice. You know, the, 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 the length, the length of your, of your prognosticating and, and your, and your, your, your scripts and, and your, and your, your books and stuff like that. That doesn't mean there's more value in it. It just means you're yeah. probably saying the same thing a hundred times, maybe my a favorite, little bit differently every now and then, you know, my favorite book of all time is old man in the sea by Ernest Hemingway. And it's like uh, 75 pages. I mean, it's extremely there short. There you go. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah. hard and it's hard to do that. You're right. It's like, it's re it really is difficult to edit yourself and, and get the message down, like is in as, as few amount of words as possible and like make it yeah. digestible. Um, I it's think a, the other it's thing, a, it's a skill though. It's a skill that we, that we don't practice enough. And I know Justin talks about this mm -hmm. all the time. Justin is out there preaching all the time, like shorten your goddamn email, you know, he, he doesn't say it that way. I'm more crass than you, <laughs> but like, you know, he's like, Stop writing paragraphs in email. Shrink it, shrink it, shrink it, shrink it, right? I have, I have my, my third book is coming out uh, hopefully end of March, maybe April. Um, it's about the, the, the life and, and, and trials of being a VP of sales. Um, and listen, I, I, I have this issue as, as well. So when I, when I wrote the first draft of my next book, okay, it's like 32,000 words. My goal is to write less than 10,000 words. I wrote more than three times as many words as I wanted to when I wrote the first draft. So here I am. I got to trim two thirds of this son of a bitch, this manuscript. I got to cut two thirds of it out. That's hard to do. You know, it's not easy. You got to figure out how do I say this shorter? How do I be more succinct? How do I be more powerful? What's fluff, right? You, you got to get you deal with your own ego quite a bit there. Um, it's, a, it's an important skill. Go ahead, yeah, Jeff. Still aligned. The manifesto we put out was, you know, 10,000 words. And I noticed like, a, you know, a strong reader will get through that thing in, in 45 minutes. And we put a lot of funny pictures in there, like Machiavelli and Galileo and the Pope. And, you know, we, we took a lot of risks for fun and it's big, big fonts. But you're right, because if someone can process something in the length of a Netflix binge watch episode, you know, are, are you going to watch the Queen's Gambit? or learn how to be a better manager tonight. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's, it's definitely a skill is, is really hard to do. And like, I don't know, Justin brings up the manifesto. It's like, um, uh, it's just, it's just crazy. Like I, I, I think 
uh, we have obviously have different, very different personalities, but I mean, think about what I, I actually just did. Like I, I took th- three different jobs in the SaaS industry and then I wrote a man, I, I quit my job and, and joined a consultant and wrote a manifesto. It's like the, uh, the anti Scott lease, <laughs> you know, like you stayed yeah. in the system and like did everything right and like accomplished everything. And I just went the exact, I was like, no, you know, it's like, Whatever. So uh, that was me. But I, it, it just it, the other point I wanted to bring up was was you mentioned like, um, you know, you were just the first person to think of, of writing it down and like collect your thoughts. It's like the, the SaaS industry itself is really only 20 years old. It's it's it is its own industry and it's it it's different. You know, it's 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 um, the 21st century. It's it's a very young place and there's not a lot of um, you know, scholarship that, that happened. There's not a lot of like how to's it's not like we've been doing this since 1900 and like you people like know how to run a factory. It's just, I I think, I think, I think it's a testament to the fact that people still overlook the basic tenets of what works. There's still room and opportunity here to, to give people just like the foundation, you know, And, and we're not the only book that's out there about you know how to be a a sales manager but there's not very many you know and uh again it's just a testament to like what you said it's a it's a young a young industry and there hasn't been that many people who've taken the time to take their their experience as a practitioner and get it out of their head and put it onto paper and share it with the with the world you know it's surprising how aligned we are, Scott, on so many things. We featured that quote from you in the manifesto as sort of the base range. We're in the fourth industrial revolution, and um, we take these these kids who have great ability, and their parents save a fortune to send them to Stanford or any college. It's, it's not cheap, 25 grand to 200 or 300 grand. We take them, stars in their eyes, put them into a role. They only talk to customers 35% of the time. And um, they're bogged down with automation that doesn't work. And they're sitting in spreadsheets, making CSV files, you know, copying, pasting email addresses, like they're doing low level work. So I'm a huge fan of your models because I just want to have as much time with whatever the role is in sales, where humans are talking and interacting, because I think this whole thing is like, put the Spotify on and like click and like and tweet that's sort of demand gen or you're an analyst working in marketing. It's a hundred percent demand gen. What, what's happened is demand gen has bled all the way into sales and Boom. salespeople now are acting more like marketers and demand gen than they ever have before. And it's, it's diluting the talent pool as far as sellers go, meaning sellers today are significantly weaker than they were Standing alone, sellers today are weaker than they were 10, 15, 20 years ago, right? You've, you've got salespeople now who will agonize over the perfect subject line of their email. I mean, I mean, they will spend fucking hours on it, all right? They will throw up five to 15 different ones and survey people and, and go read research on this and what's the best, like, and I'm over here going, Jesus Christ, I would have just picked one and sent 50 of these already. And let's, let's see what happens. Why are we agonizing over something so, so simple as a subject line? I'll tell you right now, and for everyone listening, for me, this is me, never have I chose to open or not open or reply or not reply to an email because of your subject line. 
Never. Not once. So while you're spending all this time on this automation, like Justin is talking about, and trying to get things perfect, I promise you somebody else somewhere is moving. Yep. They're doing. They're doing. They're taking action. And you're going to lose to that person. That's, that's my take. So you're totally right. My grandfather uh, died with $35 million, you know, Sinatra and 40 built multiple businesses and he gave the money to mental health. Not me. It was very Warren Buffett. He always said, do two things that scare you before lunch. Um, if your work is fun, it's play. It's not work. While you're figuring out the research to do your email automation, what if you pick up the phone and call someone who worries you? Like people aren't scared enough. Like call a CEO, call your dream prospect, get on the, try to get to the person, get rejected, feel the sting of trying yeah. trying because it's very passive i'm not saying you shouldn't do the email also but run faster with that you know move fast yeah. break things i think it's it's like well a corporate brand will be so impressed by the research and the messaging and it'll, it'll just they'll compliment for every compliment oh. you get for your email you've missed like a million dollars in pipe yes and people for people people forget that you know some of us are human and we like mistakes and misspellings i mean look miss misspelled subject lines get opened more than correct ones mm -hmm. that, that's like data has shown that it's like so what are we what are we wasting our time thinking about and you, you make a good point like just pick up the phone and call somebody I was, I was on thursday night sales last night and there was a woman who was talking about how you know it's intimidating it's scary to like call into the c-suite and deal with executives and whatnot and, and what i said to her is like i've been an svp of sales like, am I intimidated? Like you're selling to me. Am I intimidated? Do I <laughs> like, I look like a homeless person. I dress like a, a surf bum, like I did in high school. Like, what are we worried about here? Right. <laughs> do, do, do you have to be like perfect when you talk to me? No, you just have to be interesting and compelling. Right. And, and amuse me or pique my interest somehow. You just talk to me like a, like a, like a human being. And, and, you know, I, I just wish people would, take people off of whatever pedestal they put them on and just realize, man, this dude puts his pants on one leg at a time, like everybody else, you know? I think that's easy for a certain type of person. I, I think if you have a, a big personality, it's really easy to do that. I, I think some people, um, you know, they get really worked up about it. They put a lot of pressure on themselves and they get really nervous and they really don't want to mess it up. And it's their job. And they like make it a part of their identity if they fail. And, I mean, to me, it's like the job is like at least 50, 50 at best. It's yeah. like, I'm not, you want to really... be, a, you, you want to, you want to be a good salesperson. You need to kill that part of your personality that you just described. Period. You're not, yeah. not going to, you're not going to last in sales, beating yourself up and, and being that anxiety ridden hundred percent. Now, even if you have to go into character, I don't care if during your regular life, Patrick, you're this anxiety ridden guy who overthinks and overanalyzes everything. But when you step into the lab and you step onto the, onto the sales floor, you're no longer Patrick, you become Pat. And Pat doesn't give a shit. And, mm -hmm. and Pat makes $2 million a year. And Pat's the number one rep in the company. Whoever you're talking to, they don't know any different. They don't know on the inside that you're, you know, racked with fear over what's going to happen. They don't know. So go into character if you have to. You will not survive very long at a high level thinking and operating that particular way. You know, big personality, small personality, doesn't matter to me. You, you, got, you have to do some work on bettering yourself and working on your self-esteem and self-confidence or, or you're not going to last. 
Yeah, so this is the secret to becoming a thought leader too. Most people won't do it. They're worried about becoming rejected. Abraham Maslow, the Maslow's period of needs, where Wi-Fi is on the bottom now, but the self-actualized <laughs> person, right, is becoming independent of the good opinion of others. If you care, this is a business, it's like baseball, right? If you make 100 dials and you get five opportunities out of there, you're killing it. So 95 people told you to pound sand or didn't pick up. Like it's, a, it's, it's this weird anti-fragile rejection thing. So you got to get over it. If the most important prospect tells you like, I hate you, you're bad. You got to like not care. <laughs> Just yeah. move on, you know? You shouldn't care. And, and the odds are if you come back to them in six to 12 months, they won't even remember who you are anyway. No. You might remember it. You might still be stung. They won't even remember. They won't remember what you were selling. They won't even remember your name. So just take another swing down the, down the road, you know? Gentlemen, I, I hate to say it, but can you believe it's already been a half hour? It's, it's eight o'clock in, in one minute and um, we get, we have to run right then. Um, but Scott, like, thanks for jumping on. Like great talk. Yeah, like, course. you know, it was really cool to meet. It was really cool of you to, to just jump on here and um, you know, and be open with this. I, I mean, after, after meeting you and interacting with you for a little while, it seems obvious you're a pretty laid back guy. Uh, but yeah, just super cool. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Anytime, man. Happy to come back. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks for listening to sales cast. The only podcast from the fourth and fifth dimensions of the black hole sunlight sound garden.